Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. All right, well, here we are again, uh, back with another episode of the Holistic Herbalism podcast for you, our good friends, and our brand new listeners. Yes. Uh, this one's exciting. We're going to do a case study this time, and it's going to be about nightmares mm-hmm. and how to work your way out of nightmares. Yeah. With some time. Like a- like a pattern of nightmares and recurring nightmares. And yeah. 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 So that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get to that, let's give you our reclaimer. Yes. Where we remind you that we are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States. So these discussions are for educational purposes only. Also, everybody's body is different, so the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some good information to think about and some ideas to research further. And we want to remind you that good health is your right, and it's your own personal responsibility. And this means that the final decision when you're considering any course of therapy, whether it was discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician, is always yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so... Let's get into it. Let's talk about nightmares, about chronic nightmares, about uh, the way that that manifests both in the waking life and then the dream world and how those two parallel each other and how the work that you do in one can support the change that happens in the other. And that that does go both ways. Yeah, (laughs) that's a big part of this. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with this. Dream work is important. And uh, not just because we recently completed a mini course all about herbs and dreaming, <laughs> uh, but because uh, dreaming is dreaming is important. It matters. You know, it's not just a, a kind of a fun story that happens while you sleep, uh, something for your brain to do while it's otherwise turned off. Mm. In fact, it's about as far away from getting turned off as is waking life, <laughs> actually. Right. We think that when you're asleep, your brain is shut down, but it's not. It's doing tons of work. Yeah. So while you're, while you're dreaming, actually, that's helping to maintain your emotional and your mental health, mm-hmm. in large part by giving you opportunities to process the experiences that you've had in that day or, or in your recent life. Um, also, it's a place where you can play out alternative options, uh, evaluate ways to adapt in stressful situations. There can be a lot of freedom in dreams. Mm-hmm. Nightmares are often dreams where that freedom is curtailed, <laughs> and it's as if the the basic or the normal function of what's going on here has been has been you know interfered with or broken in some manner yeah. it's like another kind of dysfunction in the body you know mm-hmm. so anyway dreaming it allows the brain to make different kinds of connections than you make when you're doing wakeful thinking mm-hmm. and then that can result in bursts of creativity or in solutions to problems that have stagnated or been with you for a long time yeah. so that all sounds pretty good right <laughs> But again, right, if you experience a nightmare, this function isn't, isn't working so well, right? When you experience nightmares, especially recurring ones, um, there's, you're not getting those benefits necessarily. And the whole process of dreaming itself can feel unsafe. Um, and then that can make you be less inclined to sleep. And then the less you sleep, the more likely you are to have troubling dreams. And now you're in a vicious cycle, you know? Yeah. So... Uh, especially because we do have this brand new shining uh, herbs and dreams, herbs and dreaming mini course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because of that, working through nightmares and working in dreams has been on both of our minds a lot lately as we've been developing that material. So we wanted to share with you a case study to kind of illustrate how herbs and holistic strategies can help us to work through the pattern of nightmare uh, and get to a healthier relationship with dreaming. 
So this is actually my case study, by which I mean me. I am the case study. You here. and the Katya. You yes. Are, you are the case. <laughs> we will study you. Um, partially because, uh, you know, it's my own details, so it's perfectly legitimate for me to share that on the internet. Um, but also, honestly, I think that I had one of the most recalcitrant cases of nightmares that I have ever worked with. Among all of my clients, um, I, I feel like I took aspects of the work that I did with my own nightmares and brought that into my work with every client that I had who struggled with nightmares. So, mm -hmm. yeah. um, yeah, even as the process was unfolding and developing. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and this was a process that had many, many rounds of work over many years, literally, um, more than 15 years of work. Um, so I feel like the complexity here will cover a lot of different situations um, or kind of, in other words, there's something for everyone. And hopefully you will find if you are a person working with nightmares or a person who you love someone, maybe who is working through nightmares, there will be something in this body of work that will spark some ideas for you about how to to help with situations that you know about. Yeah, for sure. So you want to start by giving some backstory? Yeah, I was thinking just to describe the case a little bit. Um, so I had recurring nightmares that originated from an assault when I was 16. Um, and those nightmares lasted really into my late 30s, like that specific set of recurring nightmares from that original assault. Um, so like I said, this is a really long body of work. Um, a central theme in the nightmare, um, and I honestly, I think this may be central to most nightmares, was being powerless to make choices that would protect me from what happened. Like reliving um, the situation and seeing, like knowing what was coming and not being able to do something to protect myself. So when... Um, when I think about dreaming and its ability to help us work through and process our experiences, and then I contrast that with the way the brain works, especially in a moment of trauma, in that moment of trauma, the human brain actually creates different types of memories and processes information differently than sort of in your just normal everyday life. Yeah, people talk about the flashbulb memory. Right. <clears throat> like those old old fashioned cameras with the like little thing and they're under the curtain and it goes poof, right? Right, and that's all you right. can see. Just like a like one strobe light flashing into the into the darkness and now you see that image and it's just seared there and stuck and and stuck is the word. Like it doesn't yes. move, it doesn't change. It's the same even if it's not like one still painting, you know, but like that same sequence, that same experience over and over again. Right. All you are is just stuck in that place. Mm in that sort of burst type of memory. And it's protective, you know, your body's trying to say, this was super serious, we better remember it in great detail in case anything is ever even remotely like this again. Right, that's you why know? the brain does that. Like it, yeah. it is actually an adaptive, like protective mechanism, um, but it's also super uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. So in the dream state, our brains are trying to process our experiences into something resolvable, right? Something that can be put away into like long-term storage. But in this kind of a situation where you only have that burst memory, that flash um, of, of 
traumatic experience, there isn't, that's not really reconcilable. That is data that kind of does not compute. Like you're, you're trying to take that data and put it into this dream process that the brain wants to do to help process all of the experiences. And the, the dream state is like, this is not actually material that I can work with. Um, so, so then you just end up kind of re replaying it over and over again as the brain kind of says, how, how do I work with this material? Um, so in other words, what I'm saying here is that the trauma itself, um, and the dream are very tied together. So in order to move past one of them, we need to move past both of them. But in order to move past either of them, we need the brain to be yeah. able to do this work, right? In right. order to move past the trauma, your brain has to be able to process it. But in order to be able to process it, we need to like shift it down out of that kind of a flashbulb memory situation. So you're mm. sort of like trapped mm. in this, in like a catch, like you get so far and it glitches and then shoots you back to the beginning. Right. So I, I think a particular part, like, you know, very simple situation. Oh my goodness. As if there is ever a simple situation, but if we want to distill this down, then we would say, oh, okay, then we are just going to do a lot of therapy around that trauma and then we'll be able to shift the type of memory we have and then we'll be able to process it and move on. And I think for some people that does certainly happen. Yeah. In my particular case, and I think in many cases, the nightmare itself represented a very acute version of a situation that was still present in my life. Um, so in that one traumatic moment, I was powerless. But in that point in my life and extending through um, various times in my life, I was also in one or more inescapable abusive relationships. Um, and there were also plenty of places in my daily life where I felt very powerless regularly, whether that was in, in the context of these abusive relationships that, that I couldn't actually get out of it at that time, or in the context of being a woman in, in in the engineering world, because for a lot of this process, that's that's what I was. And that was not an easy work environment to be in. Hmm. Um, so so di just different or, or being a woman on the street. Like it's there are many places where being a woman in the society means that your agency is being taken away from you. And I have the privilege of at least being a white woman. So that's not as bad as it could be. But. But the reality is still that on a daily basis, it was almost like I was microdosing that larger traumatic event, that that like very traumatic event of of being completely powerless and then going through my day and having these these bursts of varying degrees of severity of powerlessness. And so that meant that every night I was not only needing to process that original traumatic event, um, even after it was years old, I was still working on getting through that. But I also needed to process all the places in that day itself where my agency was taken from me so that my life was in this recurrent pattern that paralleled the trauma. And I wasn't able to escape from those nightmares, but I also wasn't able to escape from, um, you know, several relationships that that were um, very, very abusive in nature in a way that, that kept me powerless. Hmm. So, um, 
I don't like I don't think that's necessarily always true for all people in all nightmares, but in my case it was and to be honest, I think that it's not necessarily uncommon. Other people that I've worked with who have had recurring patterns of nightmares, um there has been that sort of um pattern of like this terrible thing happened, but also a very minor recurrence of the terrible thing was regularly happening in some other kind of form so that your brain is trying to chew on these experiences um, and you you can't get past them because they're still happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I needed to recognize the places that the traumatic event in the nightmare was actually a stand-in for these smaller traumas that were happening in daily life. And in order to escape the big, awful nightmare, I also needed to do some work around what was happening in my daily life and where I could reclaim agency and power um, or build for myself agency and power that never had been present. Either either take it back that had been taken from me or claim it in places where I had never been given it to begin with. Yeah. So you were talking earlier about this sort of feedback loop and we're going to try to move ourselves out of that vicious cycle and and move it into a a healthy feedback loop where the more that I can acknowledge and ultimately address the powerlessness in my daily life, in my daytime waking life, um, the more that I could make progress with the nightmare itself. But then also the more that I was able to make progress on the nightmare increased my feelings of agency to make changes in my actual daytime waking life. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost like, you know, I mean, it's scary. It's scary to reclaim your agency. Um, It's scary to get out of an abusive relationship. It's scary to stand up for your own power and to stand in your own power. And so you take like little baby steps in your daytime life and even before you can take the baby step, you think about it for a really long time before you're like, no, no, I'm really going to do it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Trying to find, find the feeling of safety, at least in your inner world. Right. Before you go and make that real in your outer world. Right. But then also just like so many dream states, uh, you know, when we, when we go to sleep and we dream, we're playing out different scenarios and our brain is like percolating information and it's it's like a very creative problem solving time so the more that we see reclaiming agency as a possibility in our day life in our waking life the more that our brain starts to think huh could i do that in my in my brain in my night like in my dreaming life in my sleeping life and and then as you start to play that out in your dream life and you have a little bit more success these two things are just going to keep feeding each other so that's the cycle that we want to get ourselves into this these taking these small steps having some small successes and letting them build so that we we have that feeling of of agency whether it is the agency to reclaim what was taken from us or what was never given to us um, or agency in whatever the situation is. Mm. Yeah. A little flash forward here. Uh, you don't still have the nightmares anymore. At Not least, those nightmares. At least those same specific recurring nightmares with the same story, the same theme all the time. Right. Um, right. But nightmares are still a part of my life. Um, nightmares are a way that uh, my brain works to process 
things that are going on, I think that um, this is probably true for most people who have lived lives that have inc incorporated a lot of violence or, or trauma. Um, and, and so, you know, it's like just not always going to be perky and happy in my dream world. And I think that, that there's a spectrum of normal that can incorporate that. Um, but, but they shift and they change. And so I definitely don't have night terrors anymore. I have bad dreams. Um, and occasionally I have something that I will identify as a nightmare. Um, I feel like it's kind of like people who have experienced real extreme cramping and pain through menstruation, maybe because they have endometriosis or, um, you know, whatever, uh, that for them, um, a level of reduction in that pain gets them to a place that maybe for somebody who had never experienced that would be unacceptable cramping discomfort. But for a person who had come from a place of just complete, like debil debilitative menstrual cramping, they're like, this is fantastic. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I kind of feel so like, much better than where I started. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I kind of feel like my relationship with nightmares is like that. And, and that, you know, it just sort of doesn't qualify as a nightmare if I don't wake up screaming and like wake the whole house up. So, uh, so I still have bad dreams sometimes. Um, I still have dreams in which I experience powerlessness. Hmm. These days, a very common theme for me is where I can't talk. Um, so I'm in a dream and I'm trying to stand up to people in my life who have hurt me. And suddenly these giant balls of phlegm rise up in my throat and they just totally choke me so that I literally cannot speak. Ugh. And um, already I see a lot of progression here, like a lot of healing, because these days my nightmares include an inherent aspect of trying to stand up for myself, like an inherent aspect of claiming agency for myself mm -hmm. and holding my own boundaries, even if I'm not actually able to, to fully um, make that happen because suddenly now I'm not able to talk. Um, that that is my starting point in my bad dream now. And I, that's huge for me. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, it's still a bad dream. The bad part is where you can't actually get the words out. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's some, something in the way. Yeah. Um, you know, so. And, and it's sort of, it really has become like kind of a satire on a horror movie. Like, um, I, I'm just thinking about the matrix that scene in the matrix where his mouth grows over and it's, uh -huh. it's like, scary and whatever, but also kind of a little bit comical or a little bit satirical <laughs> yeah. in that, in that scene. Um, and, and even in my dreams, there is, there is a lucidity around that where I'm able to watch it happening and say, oh, right. Isn't this funny how that phlegm is coming up and now you can't speak up for yourself and now you can't say the things that are your truth, you know? Um, and, and I retain that aspect of being able to monitor the dream in, in like with a little bit of semi-consciousness and say, oh, I see what's going on here. Yes. Very funny. Like you're feeling powerless lately. Maybe, maybe we should do some work around that. Um, but overall, the foundational part of how I got into this mess is that I was asserting my agency. And so I see that as a great deal of progress. Mm. So when that happens these days, 
I wake up and I can approach that much more calmly, right? I don't wake up out of breath and horrified and like spend the the first three hours of the day just like in that very traumatized kind of state. Instead, I can see that, oh, okay, I'm thinking about things in my life where I feel powerless. Um, I'm thinking about the hurt that I want to resolve, but feel like I can't. Um, I'm thinking about the places where I have not had justice. And sometimes those things catch me by surprise. Like, I don't realize that that's percolating in the back of my mind. And sometimes I'm not at all surprised. Like, (laughs) maybe I had to have a conversation with a person who played a role in that. And and therefore, like, kind of, I even expected that that was going to come up for me in my dreams sometime soon. Hmm. You know, this this attentiveness or this recognition of the parallels between what you're what you're emotionally processing in short or long scales and then what Mm. you're experiencing in dreams. That's something that you were only able to become aware of when you started being able to approach dreaming at all. Yes, because when I met you. Uh, you were not doing any dream work. <laughs> no. You were, you were avoiding dreams yes. uh, in, a, in a number of different ways intentionally mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, giving yourself the, the sort of bedtime, you know, intention setting work. Uh, yours was, I'm not going to dream at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and maybe not pronounced that way, but, yeah. but that, was, that was the effort you were making. And it was and a defense I, mechanism. Definitely not as calmly as you just said that. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was, a, it was a defense mechanism, but it was yeah. also inhibiting your ability to progress forward. Yeah. You know? And, and, and that's where I needed to be because right. in order to progress forward, I needed, um, some more safety. And so right. I, I like, it's okay to inhibit your ability to progress if that's what you have to do to, to get through your day. And that is really what happened. I mean, right. I don't yeah. take, I don't take credit for this, but we started spending more time together <laughs> right. and, um, you <laughs> know, <true. laughs> we, we started to cultivate uh, a healthier relationship than you'd had in the past Yes, <laughs> and, uh, and continued to improve the health of our relationship over the following bunch of years Yeah, and still working on it now, you know, <laughs> but, um, but that was like part of the reflection of, of finding a healthier relationship and the two of us improving that and right. me becoming a nicer human and a, a better man for you and all of that. <laughs> That was reflected in your ability to to confront dreams and to yes. be willing to do some work there. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so first off, just finding a little bit of space, and if you need to shut dreaming down completely until you have that, do it. Like there is nothing wrong with that. But once I was able to acknowledge that the dreams were my brain trying to reconcile what was going on in my life. Um, that acknowledgement actually did take away a lot of the fear and a lot of the potency of the nightmares. It, it brought it down from night terrors to just nightmares. <laughs> yeah. And then ultimately eventually brought it down from nightmares to a really bad dream. Um, and and that progression happened over time. But as I was able to become more comfortable with dreaming in general, just the concept of dreaming and become more comfortable with doing the work of dreams and even just understand what dreaming is and that and that this work is happening like this is just my brain trying to process data. I was like, okay, well, that that feels a little bit more approachable. Mm. And as I was able to be a little more comfortable with that um, that really helped me to be, to make space to start to do the work. 
Um, yeah, and to be able to to be able to perceive what's what's going on. It's yeah. the same as like becoming aware of what your emotions are, you know. Yeah. Uh, which is you know not always the simplest thing, but um but yeah, like you were being able to say like yeah, this is a dream about being powerless. This is a this is me thinking about hurt that I've experienced and I want to resolve and feel like I can't and that's what these these images and these symbols are showing to me yeah. um, or about places where there hasn't been justice and where there's anger and frustration about that. And that's showing up in the dream in this way, um, you know, so that that recognition that allows you to, I mean, to pick herbs that are more appropriate for the problem, you know, <laughs> right. to, yeah, to even match that. Those, those mental and emotional patterns. But even before that, just to say, all right, this is the realm of work that I need to get doing. Yeah. Yeah. So to sort of wrap that part up about my current, experience with with dreams is that when I have these um less severe nightmares now um and I'm able to wake up and say huh hmm, okay I'm thinking about powerlessness I'm thinking about pain I'm thinking about these things um first off I'm able to just acknowledge oh I see what's going on here and then I also have tools now to help me get back to sleep um in a way that's more comfortable so um I either I'll listen to an audiobook um, incidentally, I listen to an audiobook in a different language, um, which does help a lot. So I, I do speak several different languages, but um, I find that listening to an audiobook in a different language helps me to shift my brain into a completely different space than that dream occurred in. So if you have more than one language and you tend to dream in one language, then choose maybe an audiobook. Um, in a different language as an intentional way to shift yourself away from that. So that you're not going to fall asleep and get back into that dream because you're, you're in a completely different language and a completely mm. different liminal space. Yeah. And if you're not bilingual, then think about language in maybe a different way. Yeah. If you have dreams that are always about your work environment and you often go to bed, you know, after you check your email one more time for the night and, you know, plant that little seed of like, and go to the office tomorrow morning, first thing. Um, maybe you need some bedtime reading that is as far away from your office as you can get. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, read about somebody. Uh, I, I think about that book Hatchet. You know, I read that when I was a kid, and it's about this uh, young person, young young, I don't know, teenage boy, I guess, and his plane crashes, and um, it's like a two person plane, you know, and it crashes into a lake, and uh, he he s survives uh, for a period <laughs> of several months. Um, uh, with just, the, his, like, just his hatchet and some woodland skills that he'd picked up uh, <laughs> in Boy Scouts or something like that. And just like, yeah, you're outside, you're thinking about trees, you're thinking about how to cut wood, cut logs and make a make a bow out of a sapling. And right. like, that's pretty far away from, you know, spreadsheets. <laughs> okay, but also that's very empowering. Yeah, right? Right? That's like, oh, I have skills that will sustain me. Yeah, I think being selective about your stories is important here. Yeah. You know, um, if you're prone to nightmares, it's probably not a great idea to check out a lot of horror movies. Unless you can, like, really identify with the last act where, where you survive and you win and you get away. Like, yeah. you know, maybe, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I do not watch any of that. Like, I... No law and order. No, no, nothing like that at all. I have lived enough of that in my life that I do not need to watch it in media. media and I don't need to put those images in my mind. Yeah. Um, but stories of becoming adverse adversity are good. But yeah. You don't need to have one that also include your triggers. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Yeah. No, I'm also thinking like, um, a different language can be like, um, especially if you are, um, if you are a woman or have been raised as a woman, 
to to choose stories about female empowerment and maybe even young adult stories. So I'm thinking about Tamara Pierce, um, the books that she has authored, or the Enola Holmes series by Nancy Springer. Yeah, those are good. Um, where there are strong female leads in stories that aren't too complicated. They're like reasonably G-rated or like PG-13 rated. Um, and And so it's a story about women or girls who are exerting their power, like, like standing in their power and, and asserting their agency. Um, so whatever the definition of a different language than the language that you were dreaming in, an audiobook like that, it can be very helpful. Alternately, a meditation app. Um, the key here is that we I, I don't want to go back into the place that I just woke up from. I want to be in a completely different place. So something audio that will shift your mental state into a very di- intentionally different place is is a tool that I have found super, super helpful. Yeah. Meditation apps can be helpful there. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we, we've worked with Headspace a bunch and, you know, that has things that are right in there like... If you're having a moment of fear, of, of anxiety, of panic, mm-hmm. you know, here's a three-minute meditation you can listen to. Or uh, they also, I mean, there's lots of apps now that have, like, listen to this calming, slightly boring story as you drift off to sleep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, and the story, like, incorporates elements of the meditation. Mm-hmm. So, so like, you're in a positive mental space while you're kind of a little bit bored. Yeah. 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 Just drifting off, you know. So yeah, tools like that can be really helpful. Right. And then, you know, it's also great to have some tinctures right there next to you so that you you wake up, you take some tinctures, like get up and pee if you need to, to like complete that that break from from that space you were in. Mm. Um, Take some tinctures, listen to the thing that's going to put you in a different headspace. And I I just use earbuds to, um, to do that. Like that way I don't, disrupt his sleep um and so i can just have it in my ear and that it falls out through the night so i don't i don't really worry about it i thought it would be uncomfortable to have something sleeping like that but actually it turns out it's not uncomfortable at all and it falls out when i roll over and it's fine um so that and then i also have tools in my daytime life um that i'm building to work with the hurt and the feelings of violation and betrayal uh, to reclaim my agency and and to do those things with intention in my life so that when these dreams come up, I'm like, oh, it's time to work on that again. Hmm. And yeah, you know, when we when we you know, I, I think about this a lot in, in the course of our relationship. And, and like, I remember the apartment that I first got together with you. And, <laughs> you know, you really had a lot of nightmares and bad dreams and didn't want to dream there and everything. And but I think in this moment about how when we started to build our herb school and we started to teach people and, and get the message out and you were able to become a full-time herbalist mm. and devote all your energy to this, then that was around the same time that this was starting to turn around, yeah. you know? And the more that we've been able to develop projects uh, like the Accessible Herbalism Project we did a little while back, uh, you know, check our previous episodes of this pod <laughs> for, for pieces of that. Right. Um, and how that kind of thing, that always gives you a, a, a sense of peace. Right, yeah. it's like... So, so this work around reclaiming my personal agency, but then also expanding that work into the world. Mm-hmm. So working for the reconciliation and restoration 
of others in our society, especially in relation to systemic racism and systemic oppression. And environmental justice. Right. Places <laughs> where we as a society have removed agency from entire communities. Um, mm -hmm. So there are so many places like that and so many places where you can get involved in that kind of work. And I, for myself, find that there's this kind of kaleidoscope of experiences there, this interconnectivity between me personally and my personal experiences and my personal reactions to that and my personal traumas and how those experiences connect me to the experiences of other people who have had different experiences, but those experiences have had similar effects in their lives and that that makes a, a bridge for me to understand the suffering of others who I have not had their experiences, but I have had experiences that have caused me pain and that have um, caused me anguish. And, and so I can use that as a language or as a, a translation to be able to work on behalf of others as well. And so every time that I do that kind of work, maybe I, in my own life, feel like oh, I can't make any progress on my own work right now. Like, I don't actually feel like I'm in a safe place to to stand up to this particular person or um, resolve a particular issue here. But I do feel like I have power to work on behalf of someone else mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to reconcile a situation um, on a larger community and societal scale. And that can not only empower other people, but also empower me and, yeah. and give me more energy to come back and say, okay, now I can move this problem forward for myself. Yeah. So this way in which we truly, we are all connected, right? Like nobody's free until everybody's free kind of a situation. These are ways in which when we work to benefit one another, we also benefit ourselves. So Okay, so this is a lot of big work it's, we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> big picture stuff, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And whether you do your work that way or whether you have other ways to do your work, I, I want to illustrate that this is a big part of the work, this investigation and intentional like meditation on what the nightmares mean, what we can learn from them for ourselves individually in our lives, what maybe we need to learn from them about how we are creating the society that we live in. Hmm. Um, and, and learning to see our nightmares or for me personally, learning to see my nightmares as a part of that investigation or an invitation to that investigation, um, even though it's uncomfortable and unpleasant, uh, has, has really helped me to shift my relationship with my nightmares, especially because in my particular life, I don't think this is something that is ever going to go completely away. I think this is one of the ways that my brain processes information. And so the severity is greatly reduced. The disruption in my life is greatly reduced. But the reality is I still have bad dreams. And that is probably always going to be true. So finding ways to have reduced it as far as possible and then work comfortably or reasonably comfortably with what's left over uh, has been my strategy. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, talk about some of the herbs that helped out here. Yeah. And um, just to kind of lay the table a little bit for that. Yeah. Um, 
for you, uh, the, there's the nightmare itself, but then there's also the, the response to the nightmare, especially when it was most acute and most persistent, um, which was the dread of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> the dread, the yes. dread of dreaming, the like, yeah, well, if I, you know, scrunch my sleep down a lot, then I'll be super exhausted. I'll fall right asleep right away. Won't remember anything mm-hmm. when I wake up. It was part of your strategy. It was. Um, you were quite sleep deprived. <laughs> I had a lot of bad habits around, around sleep, or maybe I had a lot of habits around bad sleep. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You were also working several jobs and <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was a, a really stressful time. Yeah. Mm. Um, so the work that I did in my own life around sleep is basically the entire whole better sleep mini course. Um, all of my strategies that I worked on to deal with my sleep issues are in that, that course. Um, and the, the work of resolving my sleep issues took a lot of time. Um, so during that time, I was really rigid about my sleep environment, uh, because that was what I had to do to be able to sleep at all. In other words, um, I could not compromise on the things that helped me to sleep. So having it really dark helped me a lot. Having very specific music. I should try to find our old, uh, our old bedtime playlists because we literally listened to the same, same playlist every single night for like a couple of years. Uh, Yeah. I think a lot of years, actually, (laughs) I think maybe like eight years. It's, you know, it's in line with something that we, uh, I've talked about elsewhere in the dreaming course that it's, uh, it's important to have sensory cues, Mm -hmm. um, when you want to do this kind of work and music uh, sound is absolutely one of them. So yeah, there was, there came a point where I was beginning to have success with better sleep and, um, and, and, uh, there was a playlist that, that I started at that time and the playlist allowed me to monitor my success with sleep, my growing success with sleep. Mm -hmm. And so the playlist really became incorporated in my ability to sleep. And it's a good thing that you liked the songs on that list because you heard them every (laughs) night for a really long time. That was before I figured out the audiobook and the earbud thing. That was when they had to play like on a speaker. Mm, Yeah. but, but those were things that I really couldn't compromise on um, because they made it possible. Uh, having all of the things that made me comfortable, like having a hot water bottle and having the window open. <laughs> like, and a lot of blankets. Yeah. So <laughs> that Got to keep that breeze. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I had to have the air moving so that I felt like I could breathe, but I didn't want to be cold. Um, and And again, like not having to fight over... Uh, hey, it's too cold in here for for me to sleep. Like, like just not, that was yeah. not something I was open to discussing. Um, every time that I found something that worked for me uh, for a while, I was very, very rigid about it. Or in other words, I was building boundaries with the things that were supporting me. Mm-hmm. And over time, I've been able to become less rigid and to find more ease in falling asleep and more ease in dealing with waking through the night and getting back to sleep again. Yeah, because there was a period where we were like, okay, I can fall asleep now by the fourth song in that playlist. Right. That's pretty regular. That's pretty good. But then you would wake up at like two or three or something and then just be awake for several hours. Yeah, yeah, for hours and hours. Just getting frustrated. Yeah, so there were, there were stages. And as I would have some success... Um, 
at, at some point I would be able to just relax into that success and then work on the next stage, you know, on the next challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the more that I succeeded, the more flexibility that I was able to have. And so I share all this because if right now you are in a place where you're very, very rigid about what works for you to get to sleep, um, that is okay. Uh, it's really just file it under do what you got to do. But also, um, it might not always be that way. As you succeed more and more at sleep, you may actually be able to become more flexible around sleep. So if right now you are using medication to sleep, if right now you are um, taking very strong sleep herbs to yeah, sleep. Take a big dose of hops blackout you know what, yeah. wake up the next day no no memory of dreaming it still happens you know it your brain's happened. doing yeah. it but but herbs like that they can they can prevent you from remembering it and sometimes that's necessary you know or right. needful or helpful to get you through get you to the next next uh, level <laughs> right so so kind of just free yourself from guilt or shame around that um, especially if you are taking medication to sleep and you're listening to this podcast so you're interested in herbs a lot of times when people really are interested in incorporating herbs more into their lives and they are taking medications, there can be a feeling of guilt like, oh, I guess I'm not a very good herbalist if I'm taking this medication. And just just disconnect that completely from from reality, from from your life. Because really, this is not about dogma. It's not about like, you're good if you do it right. Like, no, you're good if you get through your day. Or in this case, if you get through your night, like, (laughs) you know, like do what you got to do, allow yourself the space to do what you got to do. And as you find success, then allow that space to become a a little bit more flexible, a little bit more comfortable, a little more dependable and work on the next part. Mm -hmm. Um, But but so all of the the work that I've done around sleep in my own life, but also with our clients, we built all of that into that better sleep course. So there's tons of like very specific suggestions and strategies through there. Also lots and lots of specific herbs, like when to choose this one versus that one. Um, so, so I won't get into all of that here because what I really want to do is get into the herbs that I worked with for having a a feeling of safety for dealing with that fear of dreaming and that dread of sleep, um, for for being able to start doing dream work. Um, and then also I want to incorporate some of the herbs that were helping me to build agency in my waking life because those don't just impact you when you're awake. They definitely yeah. are impacting the sleep time as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to carry over, you know, cross that boundary. Yeah. So where to begin? Um, you know, I... I think that actually to begin with sleep in general, even though that wasn't the one that I wrote first in the list here of what I wanted to talk about. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So so even though I said all of that is in the sleep course, there are two things that I do want to mention that I worked with around sleep in general because they were the two longest standing things. and, and because I do think that they also impacted the dream side of things. So the first, um, you're going to laugh. Are you ready? It was ginger and chamomile. 
Um, and it's the top of the list of everyone's set of herbs to help you sleep, right? <laughs> Definitely top I mean, of the list of herbs may- for dreaming. <laughs> yeah, no. sure, sure. Maybe the chamomile sometimes gets on those lists, but uh, yeah. yeah, not so often. You know, more often you see people leaping immediately to your hops and your valerian and your mm-hmm. wild lettuce and, uh, you know... And passion flower is a is a popular sleeping plant. But well, that one's coming up. Yeah, that was helpful. But but but, but for you, for your body, for your patterns, for your needs, mm-hmm. ginger and chamomile are like soothing enough warmth to to release some tension and allow some flow, but not so much that it overstimulates you. Right, and also a key here was um, in releasing that tension, and and both ginger and chamomile are specifically antispasmodic. So the f- the patterns of fear that I had around sleeping, that sort of twitchy, like, oh, I don't want to get near that kind of a thing, ginger and chamomile both were super effective at relaxing me down out of that. A spasmodic type pattern. Right. Yeah. And so I could start drinking that after dinner. I would make myself like a whole quart of it and I'd start drinking it after dinner so that as I got closer and closer to bedtime, I was also relaxing more and more. Um, and, and I wasn't like, oh, dinner's ready. It's time for me to start being afraid of sleep. Like instead I was able to just relax out of that and keep myself calm enough that I was able to approach the whole idea of sleep in a much healthier way. And that did not happen in one night. Yeah, no. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But but it happened enough the first time I did it that it made me try it again the second time. Um, Plus there are so many other benefits of ginger and chamomile and it's delicious. So Yeah, and it's a, a really solid base pair that you can pile other herbs onto. Yes, yes, absolutely. But I would I would say that that in terms of being able to approach the concept of sleep as a person who dreads sleep because of nightmares, mm. that um, that pair, as simple um, and ubiquitous as it is, did an enormous amount of the work. Yeah, and again, this is a case study. This is particular to your constitution and and your your kind of you know patterns of of balance and imbalance Mm -hmm. uh, that you express with. You could see maybe somebody else working with kava for similar purposes or, you know, the wide variety of other antispasmodic plants. Right. Right. Or something like lemon balm. um, If you're a person who runs really hot, you know, it it still is a very relaxing herb, but it's on the cooling side instead. Yeah. So, you know. So then the other thing that uh, was pretty consistent over many, many years was... um, an elixir that was based on skullcap and passionflower. And part of the reasoning there was that when I would wake up in the night, um, whether I was aware of the, the nightmare or whether I wasn't, I would get into a pattern of rumination on trauma, whether it was the original trauma or trauma that I was experiencing from abusive relationships. Um, I would get very stuck in in like being awake in the middle of the night, reliving uh, abuse scenarios from from these situations, and um, I needed something that would help me not to do that. I needed something that would allow me to stop that spiraling. I mean, and it was it was just like a loop on replay. 
Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of mental pattern is, is really one of the key things that makes us want to work with Skullcap and Passionflower mm-hmm. um, to, to get you off of that merry-go-round <laughs> of, yeah. of like repetitive circular thought um, or to step off of the hamster wheel where you're exerting a lot of mental energy but not really changing the scenery at all. Yeah, not getting anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. So into the Skullcap and Passionflower, um, m- many other herbs came in and out um that those two were the base always but then i would add things in every time i refilled the bottle i would add things in that would address the pain that i was feeling so not just maybe anger or powerlessness or lack of agency or anger because of powerlessness and lack of agency, but also the the hurt that went along with that. So often Linden and Hawthorne played a big part in, in those formulas. Mm. Um, yeah, really soothing to the heart. Yeah. Uh, all of your hearts, right? Your physical heart, your emotional heart, your spiritual heart, all of that. Yeah. Uh, anything that... that associates with those those i don't know i want to say like the pure plural of nexus is actually just nexus but <laughs> um, like those the, that center in your body right and the emotional work that you do there and the the kind of connection you make from there mm. uh to what's around you um including people and plants yeah <laughs> um but yeah linden and hawthorne really helped to open that up and i think some of that work some of the time that you were working especially with hawthorne there uh, was when you were really developing a lot more appreciation for the thorniness of the tree yeah. um, and the way that it has that abundance, that, that giving, that offering, but also the protection, you know? Yeah. Um, that's going to that's gonna have a recurring role there, too. Plants, plants you have the ability to protect themselves, mm-hmm. um, yeah. work their way into every aspect of, of what I did. Rose is another one like that. Rose can protect itself. And also protect you. You know, it, it when you feel like a little furry creature who is being hunted by foxes and hawks um, and you need a place to hide and be safe for a few minutes, uh, that's that's what wild rose brambles are for. You know, <laughs> like that is one of the roles that they play in their ecosystems. And and that work is work that Rose knows how to do really well, right? Um and and so when you are working with Rose, th- what you're you're doing is you're you're taking in that knowledge, that like innate knowledge that the plant has for protecting those who are being hunted. And when your nightmares feel like that, um, feel like you're being hunted, then that is that is really an amazing plant to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that actually makes a pivot point between herbs that I was working with around my dread of sleep or around my inability to sleep and herbs that I worked with when I was ready to face dreaming. Mm. Um, And that went through a progression. And I want to be clear here that there were many rounds of formulation. um, And, you know, every time I refilled the bottle, it maybe was a, a little bit different, but I want to call out the key herbs that played a role every time. Mm-hmm. And so in the beginning, um, there were herbs like yarrow and motherwort um, and rose also played a big role here where I was not ready to to even consider being an active participant in my dream. 
all I was trying to do is go into sleep with some self-defense weapons. Right. Um, and and so these are herbs yeah, load, that, loading that up provide on, that. Loading yeah. up on thorns. Yeah. Uh, a bit of like, um, I don't know, uh, emotional astringency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Emotional armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yarrow really plays the role of armor. And yeah, it, it's... Thicken the skin. <laughs> yeah. It's right there in the, the name mm-hmm. of the plant. The whole mythology around the plant, not just the mythology, but also the traditional ways of working with the plant, that's battlefield medicine. Yeah, yarrow, you know, its botanical name is Achillea millifolium, and the first part there is about Achilles, Mm. um, invincible hero, unless you, you know, get the heel, but all right. (laughs) (laughs) But right up until that point, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. everything was invincible. (laughs) My feeling is get your yarrow on, be invincible except for that one vulnerable point, and then cover that up with thorns. There you go. You're going to be all set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> so metaphorically, that's what, what those plants are, are working on. Yeah, protection blends, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Motherwort, um, I was going to say it doesn't have thorns. and it. Oh, it totally does. Come on. Yeah, it, it doesn't in the traditional sense of a thorn. But no, but those little seed pods. Those seed pods they're so will spiny. get you. Yeah. yeah, they are spiky. And if you touch them, they're they're sharp. They are really sharp. Motherwort protects the babies. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, it, you know, when you look at it, so motherwort has a stalk and the seed pods are little circle rings around the stalk and they have spikes that go out in all directions. And so it's not even just that motherwort is protecting the babies, right? The seeds themselves, but it's also protecting its core. Mm. You know, it's protecting the the center of itself. And so when we talk about mug, motherwort helping with boundaries and helping you to have healthy boundaries, that's what's going on there is like that that concept of the shield around your core around your your most central part of you yeah yeah and there's something about motherwort where it accomplishes this you know in your emotional state in part through relaxing some physical tension Mm -hmm. uh in your body especially in your heart um relaxing some tension around your circulation and what's what's allowing things to move through your system Um, you know, so we'll turn to, to motherwort on the physical level for like angina or for like heart palpitations an uneven or a, a too tense, uh, you know, muscle of the heart kind mm. of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that impact physically leads to this emotional state where you both feel a little calmer, a little more settled. It, it is a nerve that can just be taken as a nervine, you know, to relax you. Uh, but it also helps you to recognize when your boundaries are getting stepped over and to assert them, to say, like, yeah. I'm actually not available for that right now. I'm not here to perform that service for you today. I'm, you <laughs> yeah. know, I need to take time to to care for myself in this way today, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a nerve that we come to very often for helping people uh, to assert those kind of necessary boundaries for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one we turn to often uh, when there are nightmares, when there are those, you know, those aspects of your psyche, <laughs> you know, or those... Uh, those kind of um, inhabitants of your dream world that are stepping over your boundaries, right? You can carry motherwort with you into that space and it'll work in a similar way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, mugwort. Yeah, mugwort. Um, mugwort 
is a plant that I avoided working with for years and years because um, because mugwort does help you to dream more consciously, to have more lucidity in your dreams, to have more agency in your dreams. And um, that all also comes along with remembering your dreams more. And of course, that was not something I wanted to get anything near. Remembering them more and getting them in high definition, you know, technicolor. I guess that's out of date. What are we up to? 4K now? Is that the, <laughs> is that the fanciest TV <laughs> Whatever, out there? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Whatever. But, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it does that. And so, you know, in, in your case, and, and often when people are dealing with nightmares, mugwort is not the first herb to work with. Yeah. Not until you've established some good boundaries, you've established some heart protection. You know, you've got some resilience to you uh, in that in that mode. Um, wait a little while before you go with <laughs> mugwort or with the other like strong anirogenic plants. Right. Mm -hmm. So the whole the whole purpose of working with mugwort here is that ultimately, I needed to get to a place where I could make a different decision in the dream. It became very clear to me that. I was just going to keep having this terrible dream until I could get to that point where where I saw what was going to happen and could not protect myself and where I could in fact instead choose to protect myself. And it just wasn't going to go away until that happened. So, you know, I did a lot of work with herbs that would protect me and it wasn't until I realized that like I have to protect myself that that I was willing to start working with mugwort. And uh, so that part was super not fun, I do have to say, mm. um, because that did also did not happen overnight. There was a period of time of trying and failing to make different choices. So, um, so, so what I mean by this is be really ready to do that work and don't try to do it every night because... You may need a little break. It might take months. Um, it did work. I, I was able to ultimately do that. And when I was able to um, successfully and reliably make different choices, the dream went away. I didn't have that dream anymore. No Don't more, worry. No more need for it. You know? no, right. No more need for that one. Don't worry. There there were others. <laughs> yeah. <well. laughs> but, but never anything at that degree of, of real terror. Um and that really was like the the sort of straw that broke the camel's back, except for like in a positive sense, you know, like the 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 point at which the nightmares didn't have control over me anymore. Even if I had them, I might wake up and be like, wow, that was awful. Um, it might impact me, but I still it it didn't have the same power that it had previously had. So so that was difficult work to do, but it was worthwhile work. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, oh, and I also I want to mention ghost pipe in here as well. And ghost pipe was was a well, you know, motherwort and yarrow too, but was a plant that I worked with both at night and during the day. Now, ghost pipe is a plant that is at risk and endangered, um, depending on what state you're in. And so we need to work very carefully with this plant. Um, also, ghost pipe is a plant that is extremely effective in very tiny doses, by which I mean like three drops. So you don't need much. If you buy one ounce of ghost pipe tincture, that will last you for years and years. Um, 
which is really exciting. It's exciting when we have a plant that we need to carefully conserve and yet um, working with it can can be done with a very small amount of plant matter. Uh, ghost pipe flower essence also is very effective and you can make a flower essence without damaging the plant. So, um, so it is possible to acquire ghost pipe from people who are carefully stewarding land to protect that plant. Um, but just do the, do the work to make sure that that's where you're getting it so that, um, so that we can have this plant for many years to come and it can only be worked with as tincture or flower essence. This is not a plant that you can dry and make into tea. Um, so, so only purchase it as tincture or flower essence. Do not try to purchase it as tea because it, it yeah. doesn't work, and also right. you're using up way too much plant matter that way. Yeah, for sure. You know, for the dream work, um, the flower essence is completely sufficient, mm-hmm. um, and there are ways to make a flower essence without even uh, damaging or killing the plant yeah. that you make it from, so that's great. Yeah. We're into that. <laughs> so the the work that Ghost Pipe helped me to do was um, to sort of regulate the... Uh, like stream of images to mm. regulate the the fire hose of of like mental stimulation that was happening in the dream but also in in my waking life so if you feel like everything is coming at you too intensely if you feel like um there's just way too much sensory input uh it isn't that ghost pipe makes that input go away um it is that it gives you the tools to be able to process the input, to be able to um, uh, retain who you are uh, so that instead of being overwhelmed or flooded by the input, you are you maintain your integrity as the input goes past you, you know, as you as, as you observe the input. Hmm. So. Um, so when we're talking about a very intense nightmare um, kind of a situation, then especially if you're ready to go face that nightmare and try to like intentionally go into it to make different choices, uh, Ghost Pipe is able to give you just a little bit of distance between the intense s- sensory input of the dream and your own self, like to hold your yourself safe from that, yeah. in a different way than thorns, like yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice, good description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, then there were herbs that I worked with in the daytime, um, and lots of crossover. Yeah, know? lots yeah. of cross. I, and I was going to say for the full list of herbs that I worked with in the daytime, see all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's real. <laughs> um, but uh, but there are some that that played like a really um, central role. And one formula that I kept coming back to was Tulsi, Wood Betony, and Rose. Um, and that, and I might put in some ginger or some, you know, something to switch up the flavor a little bit. But those three. Um, were a formula that I worked with so that I could function even if my sleep hadn't been good. Um, 
it helped me when I woke up from a nightmare to get myself into the the present to acknowledge that oh that was a dream that 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 was not real um and I mean using the word real around dream states is like a whole thing but in this case um having the space to say that was just a dream that did not I didn't just live through that in my physical body Mm. um was very important so right off the bat in the morning it helped me to start to make a break between that dream experience and my daytime experience but also um it it helped me to go and and be on stage in my life, like be present in my life and be able to interact with the people around me as they really were and not as if they were, they were overlaid with characters from the nightmare, you know, like, um, (laughs) sometimes when you wake up from a bad dream, it's hard to know what was a dream and what was real. And then maybe you're talking to someone and you're not actually... Like you're talking to somebody from the nightmare because you can't quite separate those experiences. Yeah, I kind of half laughed a moment ago. Um, there were at least a couple of days when you were really mad at me for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out that, that I had done some terrible things to you uh, in, it, in the dream. In the dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but not so. real. Yeah, where, where there was like an overlay of past experiences and like my brain kind of... In- machine my brain having a mashup of like past experiences and current life reality and yeah that's not good but that's real i mean that happens and i i think that that happens so much less now but that happened intensely a lot as i was working through this yeah that did happen and betany in particular is helpful to to get out of a out of a, a in between foggy state like that um not because it's like a stimulant you know i mean Sometimes you would work with a stimulant to kind of clear that fog, it, it, whether it's caffeine or whether it's rosemary, you know, to like right. s- cut through. But betony is a little different. It's more like come to the present, come to this body, come to this room, come to this moment um, and realize that those other things were, were images or memories or dreams right. or whatever. Yeah. Out of that cerebral space and into the physical space, the mm-hmm. tangible reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was... That was, uh, I, I mean, I leaned, and not metaphorically, I leaned so heavily on those three plants. Um, yeah, that was that was important for me. And then, you know, motherwort and yarrow and and um, and the thorn plants definitely also carried through to the daytime to to help with that, um, you know, that armor. Um, to help me to build healthy boundaries, um, both from a perspective of feeling safe to navigate my day, but also in order to help me build more agency for myself. So holding on to what I was versus what I was not willing to do until eventually I was able to get myself out of relationships that were abusive. Um, not with one big uprising, that's not how it happened, um, but with many, many, many small decisions, um, small, tiny boundary pieces built over time until I was able to disconnect from relationships that had seemed seemed inescapable in the past or that culturally um, society tells you are inescapable. Um, 
and and building my escape from them slowly. Um, so so those those plants played a big and important role. Yeah, and I think you worked with vervain some then as well. You know, um, and and that's that's interesting because you know a lot of those projects is about gaining some agency or some control, and usually when we talk about vervain, it's about releasing when you're trying to hold on to too much or trying to control too many things all at the same time. Yeah. Um, so it was a little bit of an unusual application. Well, the thing is that, and, and Vervain really showed up late in the work. It, mm. it was, mm. I wasn't able to work with Vervain early in the work. This was in the end stages of the work. Ah, yes. Um, but, you know, recently you were talking about Vervain and you said that it's helpful for people who feel like everything falls on them or that yeah. it falls on them to make things happen or to get things right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that aspect, it wasn't just letting go of control, but letting go of, of that role that I had been put in to make sure that everything turned out right. Mm. Um, both, both like as uh, as the role i played in a, an abusive relationship like well it's it's my job to make sure that nothing goes wrong here to protect myself um but yeah. then that played out in my life in many other cases because i learned to inhabit that role and so then in many other places in my life i was the person who just took on everything and controlled everything so that everything would turn out right and you can't control that you can't control everything, stuff. right? There's some things that you can. There's some things that you can't. Being able to tell the difference is not always easy. And yeah. I think maybe in this case, Vervain was helping to make those distinctions. Right. And uh, bring some acceptance in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't... I, acceptance doesn't mean that you approve. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. We were just talking about this earlier uh, yeah. today. But yeah, acceptance is more like I, I acknowledge the fact of that experience or the fact of this emotion. Yeah. Um, and now now I can do something about it. <laughs> you know, also, it is, it's scary to step out of a role that you inhabited as a way to protect yourself from abuse, even though playing the role was part of the abuse. Um, and so that that role of making sure that everything worked out right so that I would not be more abused because things had gone wrong. Um, like giving that role up. Like that's the role you played to protect yourself for so long and allowing yourself to step out of that is really scary. So that was not work that I was ready to do by myself. But Blue Vervain helped with that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, also, of course, there were a million other Nervines that helped me to redefine my image of myself. I'm thinking about Ella campaign that helped me to move into a healthier version of myself. I was able to see the kind of person I wanted to be. But like you can see what you want and then like inhabiting that it's hard. It's hard to, to jump that space. And so Ella campaign helped a lot there. St. John's wort in terms of helping me to detoxify what I had learned to believe about my self-worth or my lack thereof. Um, you know, this is, th that's the role that St. John's wort plays physiologically, but it also plays that role emotionally, right? Like improving your ability to detox, mm -hmm. uh, is, is important. 
Um, sage really helped me to deal with the overwhelm of all the pain that I was carrying around, but I couldn't figure out how to let go of it. Um, yeah, there was a while where sage was like your number one nervine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> every, every day. Every day, all day. Yeah. yeah. Both, both of carrying around the weight of, of all of these experiences and not being able to put them down, but also the overwhelm of, of being that person who has to make sure everything goes right just to survive. Um, before I was able to work with Blue Vervain, working with Sage for a really long time, just to sort of bring that level of overwhelm down mm -hmm. was important. Yeah. And then Elderflower, you know, along with Blue Vervain, although I at the time did not see them as connected, I took them independently of one another. Um, and, and I didn't realize until much later, I was like, oh, look, they were actually helping one another. Um, and, and Elderflower played a big role in helping me to actually let go of a lot of um, what I was carrying around that I didn't need to anymore. So Blue Vervain sort of helping me to let go of the roles that I had played to protect myself, but which weren't healthy for me. And Elderflower to help me let go of the pain that I carried um, from having inhabited those roles for so long. Mm -hmm. So those are just a few of the Nervines that, um, that I worked with, but, um, but they, they really were central, like others came in and out, but those were really central over time. And obviously, of course, this work is ongoing. Um, yeah. honestly, I think that this is work that all of us are doing basically all of the time right? Either we are carrying around the hurt that we have accumulated in our lives and, or we are trying to find ways to be free of it, right? Like we, we all accumulate hurt in our lives. Um, you don't have to have had some big dramatic assault happen in your life to have accumulated a lot of hurt and pain that you're carrying around. Yeah. We're doing both, you know, we're, we're always, uh, like you, like you say, a lot of times you're, you're remodeling the house while you live in it. Yes. <laughs> you know? And, uh, yes. that's, that's, that's what we're up to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I also want to mention here, Nettle and Friends. So the friends of Nettle and Friends, if you Google on our website, there's a, there's a blog post. Uh, I mean, if you search on our website, there's a blog post about, um, versions of a formula that we call Nettle and Friends. Um, yeah, but, we, had a, we had an episode. Uh, oh yeah, we had a podcast episode well. about that mm -hmm. too. Yeah, but but basically, it is nettle and herbs that work similarly to nettle. Um, a, a lot of times, it's around a a high mineral profile in terms of nourishment, and this played a big role to, both in terms of replenishing just years of depletion from sleep deprivation but also years of depletion from just the stress of living in fear and dread. Um, and, and nettle doesn't just replenish mineral stores. It also is like foundationally nourishing to endocrine function. Yeah. So that part is super important because living in fear and dread wrecks your endocrine system. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and yep. then also, of course, don't disregard nettle's abilities as a boundary setter. Right. Like this is again, this is another herb that will protect itself. It will sting the heck out of you. Um, 
if you don't respect it. So when you're working with this plant, you're not just getting the mineral content and the endocrine boosts and all that other stuff. You're also getting that basic primal knowledge of self-defense and, and holding boundaries that, um, that nettle does in a really intense way. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like if you just grab a nettle plant kind of thoughtlessly, it isn't just like a little prick from a thorn. It's like a lasting welt that, that stays around. Like you're not going to forget it quick. Um, so yeah. that that was something that I needed in my life too. Yes. Yeah, we all need a little little nettle sting now and again. Yeah. Whether we need to receive it or we need to give it. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Nice. So, all right. Uh, that's a whole pile of plants there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, we didn't mention... Okay, there's so many plants we didn't mention, but one one more. We didn't mention calamus yet. Uh. And, um, I, you know, over time, I spent so much time in that elevated threat perception place uh, that I really was very stuck there. And calamus is a plant that can help to resolve that. Like, you have to be able to get into the parasympathetic state, that rest and digest state um, you can't relax if you don't get out of the threat space and into the rest space. Um, and that like, you know, uh, you, you make, you stick your tongue out at your mom or, you know, at some point your grandparent or whatever, when you're a little kid and they say, your face is going to freeze like that, you know, well, your, your stress state is going to freeze like that. Like if you spend a ton of time in that threat perception place, necessarily, like you're doing it because you have to, to keep yourself safe in, in, in whatever the situation is. Um, still you get stuck there. You get yourself frozen in that spot and then you can't come back out of it. And calamus is a plant that really helps us to make that shift and come back down out of that space. Um, and so even if you're like, Hey, I'm alone for the next several hours. And even if I'm not in a place of general safety, because maybe I still am in this abusive relationship or I still, whatever, um, I'm still living in this trauma event, whatever it is, but you have a few hours to yourself where you know you're safe for a short period of time. Even if that's all you can get working with Calamus in that moment to help you like just relax for a minute and get a break um, is very, very helpful. Uh, plus Calamus has, of course, a million other amazing things it can do to help you. Yeah. But, um, all right. Well, yeah. Short of saying every herb under the sun. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. The, those were herbs that really carried me through this work. And so your nightmare patterns may be different. Um, your experiences may be different, but I hope that there are some ideas here that resonate for you or at least get you thinking about what kinds of actions you can take to shift some of the patterns in your nightmare life and maybe also in your waking life. Um, and some ideas around some herbs that can support you in that work. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And, uh, I don't know. I think that's it for housekeeping. I mean, I guess I... we should say, uh, <laughs> if you'd like to explore some of this uh, material in this realm a little further, mm. then, uh, check out our herbs and dreaming mini course. Yeah. It's uh, available now. It's got a bunch of great content in there. And, uh, yeah, you can find that and all of our online courses at online.commonwealthherbs.com. 
So check those out. Yeah, do it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode. We'll be back next time with a little more holistic herbalism for you. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and drink some tea. Drink some tea. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Sweet dreams.